Hello and welcome to my podcast, How I Teach Golf. My name's Duncan Walger and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of How I Teach Golf. Uh, today uh, I feel very privileged and honoured to be able to speak to one of my, uh, one of my mentors. Uh, he's a good friend. This person I met 10 years ago, uh, next month, so April 2009, myself and George Porter flew over to uh, Houston, Texas to take our level one plane truth certification. And that's the first time I can recall that we met a certain Mr. Chris O'Connell. So Chris, how are you? I'm doing great, Dunks, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Um, I, I obviously know quite a lot of your story, um, but I don't know too much of how you grew up, how you got into the game of golf, um, and pretty much how you ended up in Dallas. So how did, how did all that come about? Uh, you know, I grew up in a golf family, so I don't remember starting golf. It's just something I always, always did. Uh, my dad was a really good amateur. My brother was three years older than me. He was uh, one of the better juniors in the country. Uh, my mom played a little bit, but we just, uh, our whole family, we just golfed. We, all kinds of sports, but golf was, was our sport. Uh, we lived uh, I guess when I was in seventh grade, we moved, uh, uh, we were members at a, at a country club and we moved to where we would, we lived, uh, adjacent to the country club. So then we could even get more golf, which was great. Um, <laughs> and so I just, I've always loved the game. Um, and I ended up, uh, getting to Texas after I graduated college, I wanted to play professionally. That's kind of all I ever wanted to do is be a professional golfer. And so I moved south chasing the warm weather. And they had a, a mini tour down here at the time. It was called the, the Lone Star Tour. And uh, I moved down here uh, right after college. And uh, a good family friend of, of mine named D.A. Wybring uh, played the tour for 20, 25 years. Uh, lived down here and uh, that's kind of the reason we came down here he he set us up at, at a club and and kind of looked after us and uh, so I've been in Texas now for 22 years and I'm from Illinois but I feel like I feel like Texas is where I belong cool so when you, so you moved down how old were you when you came down to Texas uh, I would have been just out of college. I would have been 22 years old. Okay. And yep. So how long did you play the mini tours or, uh, was it have been the nationwide or the Nike tour or did you play? Yeah. You know, I, I played, I played mini tours. Um, I played in a, a few PGA tour events and a few web.com it's web.com. Now I think at the time it was, probably the nationwide at the time yep. um i played in a few of those and i went to q school but i i never gained full status on either either of those tours i just i just would qualify into into a few events but i was playing uh, mini tour events basically where you it's kind of like legalized gambling uh <laughs> you put it you put in money uh, everybody pulls in their money and then that's where the purse comes from. And if you, if you play really good, you might make a, a little bit of money, but too, too often, if I played good, I simply got my money back. And, uh, uh, so, so I, I, I probably played, oh gosh, I bet I played for about seven years probably. Uh, and then in the course of that time, uh, DA had set me up, uh, to caddy uh for i i had kind of i had played for a few years and i had run through my money i was low on funds and uh, my sponsorship i had put together some sponsors i'd kind of run through that money uh that which tends to happen when you play well and simply get your money back uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh d.a wybring had set me up uh, to caddy for peter jacobson who was kind of in between caddies and it was 
kind of a one-time deal. They were playing here in Dallas at the Byron Nelson, and uh, I had played golf my whole life, but uh, there, there's a learning curve in caddying, and I had not caddied. I guess maybe I'd caddied uh, a few times for D.A. Wybring, but uh, he set me up, and you know, and that just wouldn't happen in today's world. Uh, back, you know, it was a, the tour was not quite as big a business and a little bit, a little bit more, uh, uh, smaller in nature. And he set me up for one week and, uh, we got on, we got along great. I mean, if you don't get along with Peter Jacobson, you've, you've got some real problems uh, <laughs> yeah. because everybody gets along with Peter He's Jacobson. Awesome. And, and that ended up turning into, ended up caddying for Peter for about three years. Uh, I was single. I'm in my twenties and caddying and, uh, and Peter just treated me like family. And, uh, and that's how I got introduced to Jim Hardy. Cause I, I had no desire to ever be a, a teaching pro. I thought teaching pros were guys that, that couldn't play and, and that made the guy, the game too complicated. <laughs> <laughs> so I stayed away. I stayed as far away from teaching pros as I could, uh, until I met, uh, through Peter, I met Jim Hardy and, as you know, Jim was the first one that, that made this uh, crazy uh, upside-down game uh, actually make sense. So how, so how many times was it that you were with Peter and you'd seen Jim give lessons to, to Peter and other tour pros before you actually kind of... Am I right in saying you actually took a lesson from Jim or you asked Peter if you could take a lesson from Jim? Yeah. So I, uh, you know, when I was caddying for Peter, I still was, uh, was wanting to play and Peter knew that. And Peter was kind of in his mid to late forties. So he wasn't playing a full schedule. He was playing probably 20 events a year, something like that. So I had a lot of time to work on my game and, and play tournaments. And, um, you know, so Peter knew I was trying to get better. And, and as I, early on with Jim, I had met Jim actually that first week in Dallas. He gave Peter a real quick, he was happened to be in town and gave him a real quick, maybe might've been half hour, 45 minute lesson. Uh, and I had no idea what he was doing. Of course, I just saw him tell him to do stuff and the ball went better. And I thought that's kind of interesting. Uh, <laughs> but I, uh, I told Peter, I, I knew I wasn't good enough. I, at this point, I'd already played for about three years professionally, and I'd gotten my, my brains beat in. And I knew that I simply couldn't just keep going the same route, or I couldn't just have a good attitude, and, and that was going to turn it around. My skills, my skills weren't good enough. I was a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, uh, if I were to relate it, I, I'm a 10 handicap playing in the, second flight and the second flight you got to have a five handicap so i'm just i just don't have the skills necessary to compete and so i asked peter i said do you think uh jim would would take a look and, and give me some thoughts and he said sure i think i think i think jim would do that he said uh jim's very very open with his information so we got together and we're playing golf and we're out there, we're playing It's Jim and his wife, Marilyn, it's Peter and myself. And we're playing. I play about nine holes of my brand of golf that I'm trying to move away from. And, and Jim, Jim, Jim hadn't said a word. And so I'm thinking, Jim, you know, this guy, uh, told Peter, I was open for help and, and I, I wanted some help and, and, Hadn't said a word to me. Uh, now, now he said a word. He, he, we've talked, but he hadn't said anything about my golf. And so Peter uh, kind of, I tell, you know, Peter and I are talking. I kind of said to Peter, I hadn't, hadn't really said anything. And Peter, so Peter goes over to Jim and says, hey, Jim, uh, you know, Chris is kind of was hoping that you might be able to give him a few, a little bit of insight to his game, how he might get better and, and Jim said, well, Peter, you know, for all I know, Chris likes what he's doing and Chris is confident in what he's doing. And I'm not going to jump in there until Chris asks me for help. So <laughs> Peter, Peter's the, the mailman comes back, delivers the message. And, you know, and I actually respected that a lot because 
I detested as a player, and I still do, when somebody will just come up and give you their un- unsolicited opinion. Uh, and I actually really respected that. So I went over to Jim. I said, hey, Jim, uh, you know, I've been trying to play, just getting my brains beat in. I, I, uh, I know I need, to, uh, I need to improve my technique. I need to improve my skill set. And, you know, I see how Peter hits the ball. I don't hit the ball anywhere near like Peter Jacobson. If I could, I think I might be able to, to play out here. I said, I'd sure appreciate it if, if there's anything you see or any, any recommendations you might make. And from that point forward, he was all in and he was right there helping me. But uh, it's a great point. I don't, I'm a teacher. And when I go out to play golf with people, people think I'm analyzing their swing and I'm really breaking it down. And I am, when I, when I go out to play, I'm focused on my own game. I'm not watching somebody else's game because. Uh, I got enough to worry about with myself. Yep. And so I, I, I still to this day, until somebody invites me to their party, I don't, I don't show up at a party unannounced. No. I mean, it, to the point where when you're doing playing lessons, if I'm doing a playing lesson, Chris, I'm, I'm either playing, which means we're having a game of golf and I might make a few pointers when we're finished. But if someone wants a playing lesson about course management and things to do and improving their skills on the golf course, I'm not playing because I can't focus on my game and their game. Yeah, that's interesting you say that. Um, For the longest time, a playing lesson to me meant me as a teacher, I'm almost out there caddying for the player, the player's playing. But then some people uh, would express disappointment that I wasn't playing because they wanted to see how I would do it or they wanted to see me hit shots. And quite frankly, I think that, uh, takes away from the player a little bit. Um, but it is funny the the term playing lesson, what exactly, uh, does that mean? And, and I, I think playing lessons are best when, when I'm out there almost caddying for the player and I might hit a couple shots here and there, but if I'm, if I'm playing around a golf too often, I'm not going to be over there where you are. I'm not going to see what kind of lie you have or, or what kind of what the wind's doing, and what kind of club selection, and what you're thinking. And so, too often when you play a, a round of golf with somebody, uh, unless you're in a cart together, you don't kind of see each other except on the tee and on the green. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, what year was this that you started kind of working on your own game with with Jim? And then, how did it? How did the whole plain truth thing kind of come about? Yeah. That would have been, I met Jim in 1998, okay. uh, so 21 years ago, um, and I I caddied for Peter for about three years, and I, I worked with Jim a lot at, on, at that time, because uh, when I, I had a lot of free time, off time, um, and I was with Peter, and Jim was out with Peter and whatnot, and, and then after that i tried to play i was still playing because i had so much time off i still was playing while i was caddying and then i tried to play after i uh, peter kind of he knew i still wanted to play and i had i had improved uh and put together another sponsorship group and went to play for another oh i guess a couple years um and basically told myself at the end of that I gave myself gave myself three years, told myself at the end of that, if I couldn't support myself, it was time to do something else. I had no idea what that would be because I'd only, I didn't have a plan B. I had plan A. That was I'm going to be a professional golfer. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I got a lot better uh, with Jim, better than I ever had, but I, it, it wasn't good enough to support myself. And at that point, that, uh, as, that was kind of a scary time because when you don't have a plan B, you think you kind of think, man, if I that's all I ever wanted to do, if I don't do that, well, uh, I'm not, I don't, I'm not sure I'm going to enjoy the life uh, that 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 I'm going to have because that was that was everything to me, and I knew I loved the game and I had spent a lot of time with Jim and I, I kind of liked to know how things work the inner workings i don't just say 
want to know how it applies to me. I kind of want to know the whole universe. How's this whole puzzle fit together? And so I, I started thinking, I said, you know, I, I've learned a lot. Um, I feel like I might be able to help some people. And so I just, I decided I was going to start teaching golf and, uh, looking back on it. Uh, I mean, I was married, uh, my wife was teaching and here I am. And when you start off teaching golf day one, you make zero because you have zero clients. Uh, (laughs) And it takes a while to gain some, gain some footing and gain some traction as you know. Um, and, slowly i i started to gain gain some traction uh and my big break was i was uh, i was teaching da wybring's son matt wybring who was on the web.com and played at georgia tech with a guy named matt kuchar and they were playing on the web.com together and uh this is gonna be 2006 i believe Mm -hmm. And Matt Kuchar liked how Matt Wybring was hitting the ball, liked what he was working on, was picking Matt Wybring's brain, always wanting to play practice rounds with Matt Wybring. I think Matt Wybring finally had gotten had enough and kind of said, hey, listen, why don't you just go here straight from straight from my guy? Just come to Dallas. You'll do great. Just come for two days. And Matt came uh, and one of those things you don't really know don't realize it at the time but that really changed my 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 career uh because he has been him and his family have been so good to my family and so giving uh and you know we ended up we had two days and he did really really well and actually uh, went out the first tournament finished second which always helps uh, solidify that that relationship Mm. and you know we've been working together now for 13 years and uh it's just been it's been quite a journey but uh without matt kuchar uh my career uh it looks a lot different um and i'm i'm just so thankful and so blessed to have had him come into come into my life um and jim uh Jim and I have been close for a long, long time. And Jim was doing, back to how do we get Plain Truth Golf started. Jim wrote his first book. Peter and I were telling Jim, you got you got to write a book because nobody, <laughs> nobody's talking about the stuff that you're talking about. Uh, you know, Jim just has an amazing mind, an amazing way of taking a complicated subject, which golf is extremely uh, complicated. And he has a, such a great way about him of taking something complicating complicated and dumbing it down to where everybody can grasp it and he has very original ideas i i, I don't know of another teacher in the history of the game that has uh, original ideas about, about golf like jim hardy and so we were telling him you got to write a book you got you got to get this stuff out uh you know, Peter would say, you're old, you're going to die. You can't die with this information. You got, you got to get it out. And so Jim wrote his first book, uh, the plain truth for golfers. And, and I was in, I was not involved business wise on that first book. Uh, I was just spending a lot of time with Jim working on my game and, and, uh, still, uh, at that, at that point I, I was teaching, but, uh, and that book was a, was a huge success because he basically came out and said, there's not, let, let's quit telling everybody there's one way to do this. There's not one set of fundamentals. There's two sets and they're entirely different. They're entirely opposite in nature. And that's why everybody out here trying to, trying to get better at golf too often is getting worse because they're getting so confused and they're mixing components from both swings. And when you mix components, uh, you get worse. And so that book had a lot of success and Jim had started to do some kind of teaching workshops for, for pros. And, uh, I believe you attended a few of those early on, Don. Yep. And he did them with Mike LeBove out in Phoenix and everybody went to him and said, will you do 
well, you certify instructors. I want to be certified by you. And Jim said, I'm not going to do that. I, I, I've got, <clears throat> you're going to spend two days with me and you're going to take away some great pearls and you're going to leave a better teacher, but I'm not going to put my name behind somebody just because I spent two days with them. Jim's just, Jim is all about quality. And if it's not going to be done right, he does, doesn't want to do it. So he just, everybody kept wanting him to do it. He'd say, no, no. And so <laughs> I, uh, For five years. I, oh man. <laughs> and, and so I actually started talking to, uh, one of my college teammates, who's an IT guy named Mike Crisani and Mike's, Mike, Jim, and I own the plain truth. And I said to Mike, I had this idea for what we call a matrix. And this matrix basically has, uh, it's, it's uh, our, our certified instructors can access it online 24-7. And it basically goes through both one plane and two plane, all the correct movements, it goes through all the faults. It goes through the 15 ball flight faults you can hit, and it has drills to fix all these faults. And so this whole thing encompasses about 400 videos, and uh, it, it's set up. I had talked to Mike. I said, I have this idea, but I needed Mike's help to build it. Mike said, that's easy. I can build that thing, no problem. And it basically was a decision tree. And uh, it would allow instructors, it was basically their learning tool. It had everything they could ever want to know about both swings and ball flight and faults and fixes and the correct moves. And it was basically, it would allow them access to gym 24 mm seven -hmm. and uh, anytime, anytime they wanted. And we built this logical decision tree to where, uh, the golfer or the instructor could find out if he had a person who was hitting the ball in the heel, he could find out everything that would cause that particular player to hit in the heel. Or if he had a person, let's say at the top of their swing, it's across the line. It would talk about everything involving across the line, along with what ball flights it would hit along with what drills you can use to fix it. And when I showed that to Jim, uh, we didn't build it at the time. It was just a concept. But when, when Mike and I met with Jim and showed him the concept, uh, he was all in. Mm. Because when all of a sudden he saw that, that he didn't have to be there 24-7 with all these instructors, but he, he could indirectly be there 24-7. And any question they might have, they could access it. And... When he saw that is when we decided uh, to start certifying instructors. Um, and along with that, we, we do golf schools um, and, uh, you know, we, uh, we produce content. We, we've now, Jim's produced uh, four books and he has produced uh, two, two videos. Uh, and we've got more, more things in the work, but we're, we're basically a, uh, we provide con we produce content for for golfers, and we do instructor certification for uh, instructors. So when when someone comes to visit you, whether it's at uh, Waters Creek or at uh, Friars Head in the summer, how first of all, how do people book a lesson with you, and then what kind of happens in the first five minutes of that lesson, Chris? What's the kind of the process that you go through? Yeah, so, uh, you know, people can book with me uh, online here in Dallas, or they can just book uh, up in Long Island, uh, up at Friars Head. They can book with me directly uh, you know, through my, uh, just my cell phone, which all my, all my information is on uh, plaintruthgolf.com. Um, but when somebody comes for a lesson, they usually have a lot of things uh, on their mind, a lot of things they need to run through, a lot of things they need to kind of unload. And uh, Jim was uh, taught me early on uh, to don't don't teach somebody that isn't ready to be taught. Um, and by that, let them run out of gas. A lot of times somebody, they might have a list of 12 things and they're not interested in hearing what you have to say. They want to they want to unload and they want to figure out 
which of these things are important, which things aren't important, which ones are correct, which ones are, 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 are wrong. And so that first five minutes is a lot of them talking and a lot of me listening. And, and once they've kind of almost given me a big deep sigh and exhausted themselves, <laughs> uh, at that point, now I know it's my turn to talk. But uh, at that point, I'm simply trying to figure out what is, what is their one problem? What is the one thing that, that they want me to fix uh, which would then make the lesson a success. And when I say fix, they might come to me. Uh, they might simply, they might not need any full swing help. They might not be able to, to get out of the bunker uh, adequately. Uh, or if it's full swing, they might not hit uh, certain clubs high enough. Um, they might be ironing it great, but they, their driver uh, is, is, not repetitive and so i'm trying to figure out through questions and 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 a lot of that'll come in when they're downloading to me just listening to them but trying to figure out what's the one maybe two things that they're that they're there for that they really want fixed because when i go to the doctor unless i'm going for a checkup i've got a specific issue that i want fixed and i don't want him uh, focusing on on anything other than that particular area. And so I'm much like a doctor. I view it when somebody comes for a golf lesson that, that they're sick. Uh, I don't think most people take golf lessons uh, when they're, when they're hitting the ball. Great. Um, And I certainly don't think people need to take weekly golf lessons. I think a lot of times people think you need to, here I am a golf instructor and I'm telling people they don't need to take as many lessons. Uh, but I don't think it's not like a personal trainer where you need somebody there running you through uh, the workout. I, I th- uh, as Matt Kutcher will say, the beauty of the game is that uh, you can always get better. And But in that initial, I'm trying to figure out what is my mission. And my mission might be different than uh, – I don't want my I don't want my mission to be different than their mission, and I think too often we don't listen to why the golfer's there, and we we just get going to work and changing things that we think we 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 think we're really doing something, and golfer leaves disappointed because we thought we really really did some great work, and we didn't we didn't correct or fix what he was there for. Yeah, like you said at the at the start of that is. If someone's turning up and you don't ask enough questions or you don't listen enough and they're there actually to have a bunker lesson and you just cut in and get them hitting seven irons and drivers and maybe they hit the golf ball better, but they've left the lesson going, well, actually, I'm not, I, I wanted a bunker lesson. Yeah. And you yeah. missed the whole, the whole reason why they turned up. That's right. That's right. And you'll, you'll get some people, uh, they're not quite sure why they're there. I mean, most people will, will, will give you a pretty specific answer. Now, usually the one that everybody gives is I want to be more consistent. You know, you hear that one all the time. And I used to think, Oh my God, more consistent. That could mean a thousand things. But basically I've come to learn that when somebody says they want to be more consistent, they, they either want to, they're not hitting the ball solid and they want to hit the ball solid. Or they do hit it solid, uh, but they just don't do it often enough. So they 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 want to they either want it the impact to be better, or their impact's okay, but they just can't do it on a repetitive basis. And that's that's the whole trick of golf, to be honest with you. Everybody that's played golf has hit great shots. Uh, everybody's great shot. Uh, you take you take everybody's great shot. And if they could replicate that, they would be a player beyond a player uh, beyond their wildest dreams. The problem is is the repetitive part. And so, how do we get that that player that has shown capability? Because everybody is able to every once in a while get everything just right, and they hit it, and they think, "Man, that." is why I love this game that this is the best game in the world 
and then they go to the next shot and they roll the dirt right over it. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, the whole trick of golf is the repetitive part. Every player on the PGA Tour hits, hits perfect golf shots. The ones that we've heard of just do it more often. So what process do you run through? Because I know you run the same process whether you've got Matt in front of you or you've got a new, a new, um, a new student who plays off mid-20s handicap. Yeah. What's, what's your actual decision tree for what you're looking for and then how you apply what you're going to change? Yeah. Well, first, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what our mission statement is. I'm going into, I'm going into business with this golfer and we're a team and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's our mission statement. So we're both on the same page. Uh, but then no matter who I have in front of me, I'm trying to get that, I'm trying to get that ball to fly better. And I'm either trying to get them to hit the ball, uh, get the impact better, meaning more solid, meaning the impact's not too steep. The impact's not too sweepy. Or I'm trying to get them, if they come hitting two out of ten good and they leave hitting four out of ten, you think, well, wait, they're, they're failing on six times. And I could say, I could, instead of looking at it negatively, I could say, well, they're hitting twice as many good ones. Uh, and so I'm, I'm always trying to get uh, the impact correct and get it more, more correct impact, more repetitive impact. But that uh, that can change dramatically. So I, I have to change what my definition of a good impact is and a good shot is. If I've got a 28 handicap and that thing gets airborne uh, and it's solid and it slices, but it finishes on target, that's a good one. Uh, now, a tour player hitting a slice, uh, even if it's solid, they probably aren't going to be too happy with it because if they get in a left or right wind, it's not going to work. Or if they get a left pin, they they can't get at it. Uh, and so you're always kind of changing your barometer based on who is in front of you. And uh, I think you just learn over time that a good shot is not dead solid, starts at the flag and never leaves the flag. I mean, if that were the case, Bubba Watson never hits a good one because I've never seen Bubba start the ball at his target one time. I mean, he <laughs> starts them over over the gallery's heads. They finish at the target, but uh, you got to you've got to whoever's standing in front of you uh, judge them based on with what they came with and are they doing better. I mean, it, as you know, our company tagline is hit the next ball better. It's not hit the next ball perfect. It is hit the next ball better, meaning uh, I'm going to I'm going to hit the ball either more solidly when I leave this lesson or I'm going to hit it more repetitively than when I leave this lesson. Excellent. Do you do you find because I know you teach lots of people from uh, lots of different levels. Do you find there's a lot of myths and misconceptions around either taking golf lessons or what they feel as though they're going to get from you uh, or from other golf pros for taking lessons. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah. And I work, I work with the gamut of people think it because I teach tour players um, that if they're not a tour player, they kind of think that I'm, I'm too good for them. Um, that I, that, that, that they'd be better off with a lower level uh, instructor. Um, I teach up at Friars Head, and uh, we've got some uh, families up there. And some of the family plays a lot of golf. Some of the family doesn't play hardly any golf. So I give a lot of total beginner golf lessons, and 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 I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I enjoy. It doesn't matter who I have there. I just enjoy getting somebody to hit shots that they didn't think they were that they were capable of. Um, but I think most people are scared to take golf lessons. Um, and you know, uh, the whole theory, if, if a guy shows up in your foursome, uh, that has just taken a golf lesson, well, you want to load up and bet against him because, because every time you take a lesson, you're going to get worse before you get better. And that's what I was told growing up. I was told, you, you, you kind of want to take lessons in the off season. You don't want to be taking lessons when you're trying to actually 
play golf. Well, uh, I'm kind of lo- low patience person by nature, and, and I would take golf lessons, and sure enough, I would get worse. I'd get worse either because the information was wrong or I was overloaded and I was trying to do too many things. And if we try to do too many things, we're going to lose all our ability as an athlete to hit a ball. Cause even though the ball's standing still, it's not moving still an athletic uh, motion to be able to hit that tiny little golf ball in the center of the face and with the face fairly square on the correct angle with the path fairly neutral and with the width of the bottom uh, neutral. So a lot of things you, you got to do there. And I grew up and man, I would just, I, I would feel like I'm on the range and I would feel like I'm not going to be able to go to the golf course for six months. I can't, I'm not going to be able to play any tournaments because when I am working on my swing or playing golf swing versus playing golf, uh, I, because either the information was wrong or it was too much, I couldn't play golf and me being low patience, I'd do that for about a day and a half if I was really focused. And I'd say, you know, the heck with that. I, I know I can go out and not think about my swing and play better than I'm doing here. And so that's why I was kind of, like I said earlier, I was, Ned did not want to be a golf instructor, uh, did not want to participate in that kind of environment because that whole get worse before you get better thing. Uh, I, I just, I didn't agree with, uh, I, I didn't know anybody that thought that sounded like a good idea, but, and so I really didn't believe in golf instruction. I kind of thought before Jim Hardy, I thought you either kind of have it or you don't, you're either born with it or you're not. Um, and then when I met Jim, uh, you know, two things really, uh, two things really attracted me to him was the, the fact that there's two sets of fundamentals and which, and, and if I had any question about a particular player, why are players good at this part of the game? Why another player's good at this part of the game? He had an answer. I mean, there wasn't like I asked him a question. He had to think about it. He had already been down that road and, and, uh, any question I have, he gave me an answer and, and it made sense. Second thing was, uh, the first time he gave me a golf lesson, he said, okay. He said, uh, if you're able to do what I ask you to do, uh, that ball's going to go better and it's going to go better right now. He said, none of this get worse before you get better. And I thought, wow, I've never heard anybody in golf say, we're going to take a lesson and we're going to hit the ball better. I mean, if I could guarantee golfers, when you take the lesson, you're going to leave hitting the ball better. Holy cow. I mean, everybody'd sign up and, and we, we'd need more teachers because every teacher would be slammed. Um, unfortunately, that's not the message that that's, that's been portrayed. It's been portrayed. Go take a lesson. You're going to spend a decent amount of money. Uh, you're going to leave worse and you're going to have to work really hard to get back where you were. And then maybe, maybe at the end of all that, you, you might end up a little bit better. Maybe not. Might end up worse. Um, and, you know, when, when Jim told me, you're going to, you're going to get better right away. I thought that I can sign on to that. And he, I, I had always hit the ball kind of low. I would always trap the ball. And so a fairway wood off the ground, I could hit it solid, but it, it, it wouldn't get above, above the trees. It would just be kind of beaten along the ground. And I had always uh, thought that, you know, the good Lord did not intend me to, to hit the ball high. And Jim Hardy told me what to do. And I'm, I, I'm not afraid to, take the whole bottle i'm not one of those guys (laughs) slow to change i'll i mean if two pills are good give give me four and i went ahead and i just i went for it because he had he had already told me this is going to get better if you can do what i I ask you to do so i said i'm going to try as best i can and i did what i i did what he asked me to do and i hit a golf shot that i had never ever hit my life 
and I just didn't think that my DNA was even possible to hit. I hit the fairway wood off the ground, hit it straight up in the air, and it drew. And I turned around and I said, "I don't know who hit that shot, but I know it didn't come out of come out of my bat." <laughs> and so I just that's where I was just so latched onto this guy because I thought, man, what he just did for me, if I could do that for people, that that's gotta be the greatest feeling in the world to give somebody one, maybe two simple things and totally change their ball flight. Because what attracts people to golf is the feeling of a solidly struck shot that, that flies somewhat at your target. And we all just long for that to happen a little bit more. And if, if you've got an instructor that, that really knows what he's doing, uh, they can get you to hit the next ball better and they can get your, your golf ball to start those shots that seem, seem like one happens in April. And unfortunately the next one isn't until September. <laughs> uh, we can get those to start happening a little bit more frequently and now you're excited about golf and you're wanting to play more golf and uh dunks i think that i think that's how you grow the game there's been a lot of studies and how do we grow the game how do we get more people to play well first let's just keep the people that are playing the game stay stay in the game uh we're losing too many people because they're not playing at a level that that is enjoyable uh they're out there they're holding up the golf course they can't get off the tee uh, they're duffing chip shots and let's just get the people that are, that are wanting to stay in the game that are already here. Let's just retain them. And I think, I think instruction is at the absolute heart at, at keeping people in the game and, and, and then ultimately growing the game. Cause it is a challenging game. It's not, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, but I just, I just think it's the world's greatest game. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more, Chris. And then to that, if you were if you were a young instructor, you know, coming into starting your uh, teaching business, they want to do coaching full time or a lot more than they're currently doing. What what advice would you give Would you give to that um, to that professional? Uh, man, be, uh, be so blessed as me to have the greatest mentor in the world. Um, you know, I think it's it. There's a lot to learn. Uh, there's a lot of information out there. There's a sea of information out there. Some of it's good, some of it's bad, and some of it doesn't even belong in golf. And <laughs> for you to navigate through that on yourself, I think is going to take you too long. And if it takes you too long to establish yourself you're probably going to bail on the career of being a golf instructor because you're not going to get to a point financially or professionally uh, that, that is satisfactory to you. And, you know, uh, you and I have been so lucky to have, have Jim Hardy as a mentor uh, to accelerate that learning. I mean, heck I started, you know, people always ask me, how do I get, how do I get to a level that you're at? And I said, Hey, I, there was a time when I knew absolutely nothing. When a ball went left, I had no idea why. Or when I topped one, I had no idea why. And I said, you know, the expert in anything was once a beginner. And uh, I didn't intend to be a golf instructor. I just happened to, I wanted to get better at my own game. And I ran into this guy and, and, and he was just so giving to me and my family. It just changed my life. Um, and, you know, I think that our, basically when we started our instructor certification program, I thought, here I am. I'm so lucky. I, I was able to spend all this time with Jim. I mean, I spent probably six or seven years with Jim and I did not teach, did not charge anybody for a lesson. I wasn't teaching. I wasn't charging uh, before I tried to implement the information. Well, you can't ask somebody, hey, uh, you got six years to, to learn this. So. That was kind of uh, my motivation was how can how can I accelerate that for instructors? Um, and that's when we started developing these tools. You know, we developed the matrix and we do level one certification, level two, and we have a level three. And, you know, you're, you're one of our few 
level three. You've been with us since the absolute beginning. Uh, we have a summit where we get our instructors together and, and, you know, we, we do webinars and we have a private Facebook group. And, and so my whole motivation was how can, what took me say six years and, and I'm still getting better to this day. I mean, I, I hope I'm better in six months than I was, than I am right now. Uh, but, but I felt like when I went to teach, I was equipped to help people. Um, and how can we get, instructors to get equipped and can we get that done in two years could we get that done in in a year could we get that six months and so all of our tools and all of our focus and the way our program is presented is to give you a foundation to help people now it's also to give you a foundation to go further study uh, i mean you're you have an inquisitive mind dunks you're always checking out what's going on what's the latest but uh, within our program, you have a framework to understand who is this information good for? Who is this information to be uh, uh, avoided with? And, and so our whole program is trying to equip instructors and accelerate their learning. Um, and if they want to end up teaching, say, a different model, because we're kind of anti-modelers, we're really about fixing impact and ball flight uh we don't believe everybody should look uh, look alike uh nothing nothing of the sort but some people will get attracted to a particular style or a model which is fine but we just want you to understand the ins and outs of that style or that model uh better than maybe the the person that created it from a from a standpoint of what are the important points relative to ball flight because you might have somebody in that model that, that the, their impact's too steep. You might have somebody in that model impact's too shallow. And even though they're in the same model, you should be teaching them opposite because they have a different impact. <laughs> yeah, that's all I can say to that, Chris. That was all awesome. <laughs> I mean, I've watched you now over the last 10 years. You know, when I first met you in 2009, you were already great, and now you're just completely awesome because you do preach, you know, you do what you actually say you're going to do. It's a case of you are better. We're always trying to get better, and you're absolutely better than you were, like you said, last year with the new stuff because you've got the inquisitive mind to go out there and also seek to improve to get better every day so that we can improve other instructors. We're so lucky to, to be able to help but also to improve our students, which at the end of the day, as you said, that's how we're going to grow the game is by keeping the people that are already playing, playing. And then the extra people that come into the game, there's no reason why we can't make it more fun and get them better quicker um, and just keep it as a game and keep it enjoyable for them. It, it, it is a game. And sometimes we break it down like we're trying to uh, split the ad. And we just make it, we make, we make a mess of the thing. We make it so complicated and we've, we've got, uh, we're, we're making it too much science. It is part science. It is part art. Um, but you know, my motivation is, I, I, I mean, Jim, Jim Hardy is 76 years old and I'm trying to keep, I'm trying to keep up with him because <laughs> that guy gets up and he gets after it. Yeah. And, he hits balls every day. He's out there every day trying to get better. You know, his whole goal is uh, the old, there's an old show here in the States called name that tune. And they would have two contestants and they would one contestant say, I can name it eight notes. Another one said, I'd name it in seven. Another one, it, they'd keep going back and forth until finally the guy said, name that tune. And that, you know, sometimes they might only get two notes and he had to, two notes. He had to name it. Well, Jim's whole motivation is I, name that tune in one note, meaning, how can I, how can I take this golf swing, which is, we got a lot of stuff going on, but how can I tell this person in front of me one simple thing that I know he or she can do that all of a sudden they do it and the golf ball, the flight of the ball completely changes. So I'm, I'm always trying to, he, he's all about excellence and he, he inspires me and, and then our instructors. I mean, we've got such an awesome group, a tight knit group all over the 
all over the world and a heavy contingent right in the UK. And we're a big family and I want to help. I want to help, you know, my, our instructors are somewhat like my students. I want, I want to help our instructors to get better results, to get quicker results. And so, uh, I'm, I'm always, always trying to get better. Uh, I, I, I don't want to be, if a student's failing, I'm not going to blame the student. I'm not just going to keep giving them the same message and blaming the student. Uh, I need I need to figure out a better way, a different way to say it, a different drill, a different visual, um, to to get that student better right now. Absolutely, Chris. You know, you know, you've been not only so gracious with your time right now to do this podcast, but over the last ten years, myself and a lot of the well, you're you're paying you're paying me a huge fee. I thought. <laughs> yeah, I, I owe it to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and all these guys that we have in the certification all around the world, you know, when you go on the Facebook and we're, we're putting up a, a question for the, for the group, whether you jump on or Jim jumps on and some of the other guys, it's, 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 you know, I don't feel as though I've got one mentor. I feel as though we've got 200 mentors, which are all the cert- certified instructors because we're all trying to get better. We're all trying to find that nugget that it's just going to help that student because we care, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's, what's really fascinating about our group is we're all coming at the problem from the same place. Uh, we're not, we're not actually looking at the golf swing, uh, as the first thing I think too often golf is, we look at a swing and we all have a prejudice for what we like to see or what we think is correct in a golf swing. And if we just look at the golf swing, man, you can, everybody's golf swing, you're going to probably change unless you get an Adam Scott show up on your tee, which I don't, I don't get Adam Scott showing up on my tee, but uh, everybody's golf swing is probably going to have something in it that you don't particularly like. Well, the, the neat thing about our group is we're ignoring the golf swing first. first. Our first objective is let's all agree on what is what is this person's problem. But when I say problem, I mean ball flight. There's, you know, we've got 15 ball flights that we uh, have in our in our matrix, and that we train our instructors on. And those 15 are crappy shots. Doesn't matter if you're 30 handicap or a touring pro they're they're bad shots they're either not solid or they're not at your target or they're too low or they're too high or they're not hit on the right part of the club and so our group is always uh in agreement okay this person is hooking the ball uh and this impact is too shallow okay we're all in agreement now uh it'd be like you know, a bunch of doctors, somebody comes into the ER and you've got four doctors. Uh, they, you know, a guy comes in, he's in a motorcycle crash. He broke his femur. Well, you got four doctors. They all agree that he broke his femur, but one of them wants to put it in a hard cast. One of them wants to put it in a soft cast and they might have, one of them wants to immediately go into surgery. They might have different ideas on how they're going to fix him. But what you don't want is you don't want the the one doctor that says, uh, well, uh, I think, I think this, this particular, uh, patient has a rash on his back that, that we need to address because he's got a broken leg and let's all agree on what we are, what we're doing here. And so we're all in agreement, uh, on this guy's hooking and his impact too sweepy. Now, the beauty of it is within our program is we're very dogmatic on, Let's all agree. Let's make sure we're all coming, solving the same problem. We're not inventing a new problem. But then after that, you have a a huge canvas, a huge, uh, I mean, there's a thousand ways to fix a shallow hook. And if you only have one way, you'll help some people, but some people aren't going to get it. Uh, We just, we all kind of learn a little bit differently. We, some, what means, what is a, what is an absolute gold nugget to somebody is doesn't mean anything to another. And so, the beauty of our program is, you know, you might, you might have it entirely. You might want to work on the guy's backswing 
uh, you might want to get him more upright. You think he's bringing it back too far inside. Somebody else might think, ah, oh, I think his backswing's okay. I think his downswing too far inside out. I need to get this swing to come around to the left. Another guy says, well, it addressed. He's really got his shoulders close to his hips, causing his swing to be inside out. And all, all three of them are, are correct. What we don't want is we don't want the guy saying, he's, uh, I'm going to fit that club face at the top's open. I'm going to. I don't like that open club face. I'm going to fix it because you only should ask somebody to do something that is going to positively influence impact by either making it a better shot, a more solid shot or a more repetitive shot. If you're asking somebody to do something that doesn't achieve one of those two things, you are, you are wasting time to be honest with you. Uh, you're, you're doing cosmetic surgery uh, you might be making the swing look prettier, but the person came hitting fat and thin irons and they're leaving with a prettier swing. And guess what? They're hitting fat and thin irons. Fantastic, Chris. Chris, we're really close to running out of time. So thank you very much for your um, for coming on and um, giving us some of your precious time to help us get better as, and to find out how you actually teach golf. Chris, if you could, if you could play one more round of golf, who would it be with and where would it be? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, that would be uh, <clears throat> that would be at my home club uh, that I grew up at, Quincy Country Club, which uh, just has a lot of memories. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be a course that you're going to find in the top 100. Wouldn't be a course you're going to find in the top uh, 1,000. Um, but I would, that, that, that's where I'd want to play. Uh, you got me all choked up here, Dunks. Sorry, man. Uh, I'd want to play with my dad. Yeah. Yeah. No. Just the two of you? No, I'd want Jim Hardy to come, come along in case yeah. I wasn't hitting it very good. <laughs> Yeah, and I'd I'd want my brother to join us. Uh, cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And you can stick Peter Jacobson and Matt Kuchar on the bags. That that would be good. That'd be good to have Matt Kuchar watch me. And I mean, I've been watching him for thirteen years now. It'd be good for him to watch me play golf. Yeah, Chris. Yeah. Uh, sorry to have done that to you. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I tell you what, I, uh, I, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, you've been a great friend. You've been a tremendous supporter of Jim, which I just, I just, when people see what I see with him, it gets me excited. And I appreciate so much people like you and George Porter and all that you guys have done to just, just to spread his word, because like Peter used to say, Hey, uh, you're you're old you're gonna die you can't take this information to the grave uh with without guys like you and george spreading the word uh i just think that this guy's life's work which i think is is so important to golfers uh i think it 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 gets it could potentially get get lost and and you've been a huge advocate for us and and you're one of our absolute uh guys have been in it from from the very beginnings and can't thank you enough for for your friendship and your support no i mean i'm, I'm putting it straight back on you because without you and mike and talking to jim and peter shoving him in the right direction you know i would have kept traveling out to the states and asking jim to certify me and i would have got the same thing as i got every year <laughs> no <laughs> Done. At least you kept. At least you kept trying. You're <laughs> persistent. Yeah, this is true. Because I can still remember standing at the 2008 teaching and coaching summit in America, and he went, "Dunks, I'm going to certify instructors." <laughs> <laughs> and I was the happiest person in the world when that happened. Yeah. And yeah. We, you know, we've had some awesome times together, and you know, not just for me, but for the other guys that have been involved in the plain truth from. From the beginning that are joining you know a huge thank you to you and to your family 
because I know you spend a lot of time away from them and I know you're, you're a great dad and a great husband. You want to be around with your kids and everything else. So for you to come over to the UK and spend as much, or to Europe and spend as much time as you do with us, passing on the message and, you know, trying to help us get better because that's what we're trying to do. The, the whole game of golf kind of owns you a debt of gratitude as well, Chris. And, you know, we have such a great time every time we meet up and I always enjoy spending time in your company and uh, I look forward to when we get to do that again. Well, I hope, hopefully it'll be sooner than later and uh, you, you take care of yourself and, and uh, t- say hello to the family. I will do. How can people get hold of you if they want to send an email, Chris, if they want to comment? Uh, my email is coconnell, C-O-C-O-N-N-E-L-L, at plaintruthgolf.com. Uh, that's my email, and my uh, and on plaintruthgolf.com has my contact information in terms of cell phone and, and dates when I'm I'm up on Long Island and dates when I'm in Dallas. I basically chase the weather. I'm not a fan of of cold weather. Uh, I'd rather be hot than cold, but in Dallas, you can get triple digits. So when it's triple digits. I'm on Long Island, so I'm up there June, June, July, and August. Awesome. And uh, Instagram and Twitter, I think it's Plain Truth Golf, right? Yes. Brilliant. Chris, have a fantastic, um, have a fantastic season. I know we're coming up to the Masters, so I'm sure you're very, very busy out on with your tour players and back at Watts Creek with the boys. Please say hello to Andy, Joe, and um, and Jake, and anyone else that's out there. And uh, I look forward to catching up with you soon, mate. All right, Dunks, you take care. Cheers, Chris. All right, see ya. Bye.